0: For, for the win! Good! <laughs> A, A- weekday for okay, Wins the national championship for Notre Dame! Pino gets across crossing. He's the one. Twenty-one! the USA's life in this
1: World Cup! Twenty-one World Championship medal, she is. The greatest of all time, you just can't say it enough. Wow.
0: Women's singles champion, Serena Williams. large. Williams into Bird in the corner. You bet. She's done it again. Sue Bird. You're listening to All In, a women's sports podcast
2: on WFUV Sports. Happy International Women's Woo! Day from your current duo of All In, me, Julia Moss, joined with Samantha Bohr. and we've got a great show today. We've got a lot mm-hmm. to talk about, a lot of of women's sports, of course, and this is my first time on All In in quite some time. I've been very busy traveling with the women's basketball team, Flex. and then, well, you know, what can I say, <laughs> uh, but
0: I'm so excited to be back. And before we get into any of it, Sam, like, how have you been? You know, I've been all over the place, Julia. It's been a crazy few weeks for for me, for everyone, for, for all of us here. Um, for those viewers at home who don't know, Julia Moss got into grad school okay. the other night while okay. we were okay. hanging out. So it's been a busy week for Miss Julia. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Life's been crazy. Being a senior is... Insane. I've been doing work with the men's basketball team, so I've been, you know, tracking them, doing sideline for their games and they start tournament play tomorrow, so that's been a lot of fun, but that's been a lot of work. But here we are, and I'm so happy it's International Women's Day. I love International Women's Day. Yay women. Whoop whoop, yes. Whoop. And,
2: and honestly, no better day to record for all in and, and no better day. And like I said before, we got a great show. We're gonna start out with some you know, keeping with the with the times of today. We're gonna talk about our favorite women's sports memories and then we're gonna move on to our current favorite athlete, of course, our favorite female uh, athlete, and we're going to talk mm. about it's it's championship week in women's basketball, and a lot has happened. We're gonna we're gonna discuss three or four of the big ones, the big championships, and then we're gonna move over into something that. I am definitely excited to talk about any chance I get, and I know I know Sam is too. We're also going to be joined by Lou Orlando, a, a friend of All In and a recent member of All In. Yeah, so, I mean newest. We love we love getting new hosts involved, and and Lou is a great guy. Calls women's basketball, so we're obviously going to get him involved to talk some Fordham women's basketball. They just finished up their season as of right now. Last week against Richmond in the A10 tournament, still to be determined if they're going to get an NIT invite. Fingers crossed. Um, but let's start. Let's start with our let's favorite begin. women in sports memory. Sam, kick us off.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, oh, will I have to pick? Okay. <laughs> my One of my favorite women in sports memories. We're going to go back to 1996, and we're going to go to the Olympics, and we're going to go to Carrie Strug landing the one-legged vault that won her the gold um, after she had broken her ankle. For those of you who don't know or haven't seen the video, um, she... Went at her first vault pass and on that vault pass breaks her ankle. You see her just like crumple and everyone's like, oh my God. She gets up, she limps back, she hops over and she's like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So she hops one legged down like the vault runway, like partway. Then at a certain point, like runs as much as she can, throws her vault and sticks it on one leg (laughs) to win the gold. And like, that is one of my favorite, favorite women's sports memories of all time. Because like, first of all, women. That's Women, so cool. Women. Second of all, like, that's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Third of all, how much strength, balance, poise, grit, toughness, mental dexterity, everything. Dexterity. Yeah. Thank that you. is the word of the day. Good word. Does, the, does it take to, like, be able to do that? And also to power through literally breaking your ankle to then land on one leg and win the gold. So I absolutely love that moment a bit of a blast from the past but you know what about you miss moss i will say about yours i need to start
2: watching some more track field type of events because i feel like i mean taylor obviously is a part of the track team at fordham and she has a ton of great moments involved with that and i think i'm I'm missing out because you are i i mean i watch a
0: lot of gymnastics i don't Mm -hmm. watch as much track and field like carrie strug is a gymnast right but um like I, I agree. I think I need to. You know, I almost picked a FloJo memory as <laughs> one of my one of my favorite women's sports memories today. Um, almost in honor of Miss Taylor because yeah, she,
2: yes, she pays so much attention to that, and it's lovely. I know. I mean, going over to mine, I don't. I will say we said in the first episode ever, our inaugural episode, if you will. Uh, that my favorite women's sports moment of all time is Abby Wambach's header. Mm. Um, but I won't. I won't repeat that. I'll go with two different because we're gonna do two each. I'll mm-hmm. go with two new ones just for. The sake of not repeating myself. Cute it fresh. Um, but the first one I'm going to go with is Arizona's run in the NCAA Women's Championship in 2021. Mm. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but Adia Barnes, the, the head coach, she... Like, this is one of the most baller moments I've ever seen on TV. She They weren't expected to make a huge run, and then they did. And then I forget who they were playing against, but... Um, they it was like a timeout she, they were in the huddle and she was like yelling at the team like firing them up and you just see her throw two birds up and say and it was something along the lines of whoever doesn't believe in us f them and she had nice. two middle fingers up and and they ended up winning the game and going to the championship unfortunately losing to stanford by just a point but mm. i remember watching that in 2021 It's like a very vivid memory of of watching it on my computer and just like being such an Arizona fan. I was like, yes, Adia Barnes. So and that's one of those things that really got me into the tournament itself that year, because sometimes like, you know, when the team you're rooting for doesn't make the tournament. it's, It's sometimes like you just watch the bracket and hope the team you chose in your brackets win. But that Arizona run kind of separated just rooting for my bracket to win versus like, okay, I'm like Baden on Arizona here. So mm-hmm. that's my that's my first favorite one. Let's hear your second.
0: Okay. Well, um, switch it up a little bit. I'm a hockey girl, as mm. we know, and I'm a huge fan of the uh, U.S. women's team and of all of the like junior players as well for women's hockey. And my, my second uh, memory that is one of my favorites is Team USA beating Team Canada in a shootout in the 2018 Olympics to win the gold because there is a giant Canada-U.S. rivalry in all things <laughs> hockey, you know. Right. Part of the same continent, Naturally. but, like, we are both, like, two very premier hockey hockey nations. Um, and especially we end up competing against each other a lot because of a number of different things and sharing a lot of players. So when it comes time in, like, professional leagues like the NHL, so when it comes time for these teams to play each other, or, you know, the PHF if you're talking about professional women, right? Um, that then it becomes so intense. So the, I think the Canadian team had one before that like the last like three or four like olympic golds or like it has always come down to them or canada has always just won and uh the u.s had to battle back from a deficit in the game before to even make it to the gold game battle back in that game from being like a two three gold deficit to then make it to a shootout and win and win the gold and bring it to america and it was Awesome. So I am huge fan of uh Team USA beating Team Canada and You need to send me a link to that. Oh I will. It's like amazing. And like the celebration is just so good. Yeah. If you don't watch women's hockey, like you should. It's so, so cool. They're just I can't skate for my entire (laughs) life, which is funny because I'm a big hockey fan. Huge into hockey. Yeah, huge into hockey. And I was a dancer, but god I can't skate. (laughs) But these women are just like the strongest coolest athletes ever and oh, they're so cool and they were a lot of batting yeah. how do you do that? And that much batting i don't know but it's awesome it's really I funny
2: it. uh calling back to an interview um if it actually it was the first interview on all and anna de wolf came in and she said uh that she would pay play hockey if mm-hmm. um if she could play i would sport. love to see anna de wolf play hockey. and and <laughs> i remember the conversation we had after that was along the lines of like well, hockey is a lot harder than people think it is. You have to skate backwards, skate forward and then people just try and like like they're they're going to clock you. Like you're you're not yeah. going to It's a very physical sport on ice which you're already prone to falling on yeah. like And then you have people literally running into you, and you have a
0: stick to maneuver a tiny puck.
2: Yeah, and also like the the skating part isn't even the the goal. Like no. Y- it's not just skating. Like y- the actual it, it's like a prerequisite into actually <laughs> playing hockey is like like skating to me is like the hard part, not even to mention holding a stick and like trying to get a puck into a goal where there's like a goalkeeper who wears like 30 pounds of equipment mm-hmm. over a tiny goal. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Hockey. Shout out to anyone who has ever played hockey because Could it not is be me. It's a very difficult sport, very physical sport, but moving on On to my last pick. And there's, I have a couple honorable mentions first would be, the honorable mention of Carly Lloyd scoring three a hat trick in the mm-hmm. first half of the World Cup. Incredible. Um, I have opinions on Carly Lloyd, but that's why I didn't make the actual thing because <laughs> um, not the biggest fan of Carly Lloyd. But my actual pick, I have to say just the career Paige Beckers has had. Oh my God, yes. Good answer. Because speaking of reasons, I've started watching NCAA women's, and really getting into it. I feel like Paige Beckers has like mm-hmm. changed the game from a marketability standpoint. Yes. Of, I mean, of course, she's had two really, really unfortunate timed injuries and she hasn't played in, in over a year. But her, maybe she played for a little bit um, at the end of last season, I think. I can't remember. She had two big injuries, though. Mm-hmm. We'll not play at all this year. Um, but I remember her freshman year. It was like Caitlin Clark, Paige Beckers. And it mm-hmm. was like people were tuning in. Yeah. And it's so cool to see people get get turned on to to women's sports because I feel like people don't understand how great it is. Like I've said it before and all in there, men's and women's sports are like two different. They have things that they are they're good at and things that are lessened for both for both sides. And women's sports is so technical mm-hmm. and skill is so important. And I feel like Paige Becker's and Caitlin Clark and and even players now like Diamond Miller. Yes. um they they embody that az fud coming back from injury we'll talk about that later but um yeah i think this page the the rise of Paige beckers i know it's not exactly a moment and i my two my two choices were both pretty recent but that's okay i think i'm just a huge page beckers fan huge caitlin clark fan yeah
0: and yeah so no yeah i i i'm with you yeah. i think it's it's you're so right and, like they're two like men's and women's sports are two totally different styles of play but like What I love about women's basketball, in specific, because we were just mentioning, you know, women's basketball players, is especially at the collegiate level, it's not about, you know, a lot of, I feel like, men's basketball is being, like, seven feet tall and having a giant wingspan. It's really, really hard to be successful, even at the collegiate level, if you're not, like, you know, six feet, something, or, like, you don't have certain attributes. I love that the women's teams are so diverse in skill in build in everything and it's such a cerebral game that you don't have to be seven feet tall and dunking on people you know exactly. like you can be an asia dingle who's i what? was about to say yeah right yes who's how tall five, is four? she she's five, five, five four. four yeah she's two inches taller than me and <laughs> four inches shorter damn, than me that girl can hoop <laughs> yeah. right or, like, even when you look at someone like, like Sarah Carpell, like, she's not, like, 6'4". I mean, she's right. taller than me. But yeah. she's not, like, 6'4", but she's so good. So Anna DeWolf
2: is not as... Anna DeWolf is neither. Anna DeWolf is what? Like, 5'8", five 5'7"? Five yeah, seven?
0: she's 5'8". Yeah. Um, so, I love I love that that's... Some and, of the best players I saw play against Fordham this year, too. One of the, I remember vividly, I was watching one game earlier this year at home. And I was like, who is this girl who was just, I think she ended the game with like 33 points, mm-hmm. something ridiculous. And she was 5'2". Oh, Ta- uh,
2: Townsend on mm-hmm. uh, f- on Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, I mean, I think she's shorter than Asia Dingle. That's and awesome. She, and she's just so quick. And, and something else that I love about uh, women's basketball in particular is like, it really is about heart. Mm-hmm like you can be like five, two and and score on six feet tall posts. You just have to have, you have to have the right mindset. And and oftentimes we see these, these women having that mindset and, and you can also be six foot seven and suck. Yeah. We see, okay. Suck is a strong word. I don't, I don't like transitioning to Hanju. I mean, she, she's, she doesn't suck. She does not suck. I want to make that very clear. She's good. Professional. But, but you see even coming into a league like the WNBA, it's not just going to be seamless because you're tall, because you're like a foot, a, a head against, mm-hmm. a head over everyone else on the floor. Like you still have to have skill and talent, and that that transition hasn't been as seamless for, for Han. But mm-hmm. hopefully, like again, this is WNBA, but <laughs> hopefully we see her her transition more and more into this game because she is. I mean, she just have the, she has the physical attributes to do it, but. Absolutely um moving over a little bit to our our favorite female athletes I think I kind of gave mine away but we can start with you Sam well actually I didn't give it away JK JK yeah
0: okay I mean I've got I've got a few Mm -hmm. um I will say Simone Biles is the goat right um obsessed with her (laughs) my my uh, one of my runner-up for favorite sports memories was Another gymnastics moment. I love gymnastics if you can't tell. Uh, was Simone Biles landing the Yurchenko double pike at the US Classic? She was the first woman ever, right? To ever land that in competition. Um, talk about short athletes too. Yeah, she's like, (laughs) is she five foot? No, I think she's like four nine, if that. (laughs) Like, she's tiny and she's marrying a football player who's like six four. I'm like I'm de- you need to look it up like I'm dead I need to serious know who it is he's huge and she is tiny and he's like an offensive lineman too or something like that so right. he's like like a built guy and yeah. she's like freaking jacked but I mean she's like itty bitty she's, she's four foot eight and she is
2: engaged to uh Jonathan Owens on the Houston Texans yeah so yeah I'm looking at pictures this is
0: it's pretty this awesome. Is, that is really cool. But like, what a cool couple. Anyways, yeah. that was one of my runner-up um, moments because Simone Biles, I love her. I'm a big Ronda Rousey fan, mm. um, which might throwback. be like- Throwback. Yeah, which is maybe a little bit Does of a throwback. Does she fight anymore? No, not really. But um <laughs> Queen. not since she kind of got, you know, her stuff rocked a little right. bit <laughs> in that championship <laughs> fight. Um, but I, you know, she, when she especially was like reaching like fame height, it was like, mm-hmm. It didn't matter who you were it didn't matter you know how you identify but everyone was like ronda rousey is a badass and she is and and was and continues to be um she's freaking awesome my other favorite female athlete is Taylor massetta Yes. Because Taylor massetta is a D1 athlete here at Fordham yes. University. She is my favorite female athlete. Not to mention Gigi Spear and Kelly Bright. Yes. We're really... We're going to We just love women. We love women's sports. We love women's
2: sports. That's <laughs> what it is. Uh, but my... the A lot of the same... Um, <laughs> a lot of the same for, for you. I, I mean, of course tobin heath is is my is my mm. actual favorite okay i mean if there is a woman in sport uh a female athlete that is my favorite it's got to be tobin heath um and growing up playing soccer i think what, what drew me so much to liking her play style is that i played uh forward and like i loved scoring goals and i was like obsessed with the feeling of scoring goals like there's an abby wombat quote out there that i like super like i felt when she said it at the time is like that that desire to score goals like keeps you going so much longer than like other stuff like Mm -hmm. even when you're tired if you want to score a goal it's like that's what takes precedence and and another thing that I loved about soccer is just like footwork and I think that's something especially at the youth level not a lot of kids focus on and I was like that freak that was like practicing like Maradona's like for like hours straight in the in the in the backyard and that's something that Tobin Heath does really well is making defenders look silly and from when I played soccer um I, I just like I was always like I want to be Tobin Heath. Mm-hmm. Like that is my goal is to be her on the field. And so that's that's transferred over over 10 years now honestly. Like I've she's been my favorite player for for a very long time and hopefully she still has a few years left. She hasn't signed to an NWSL team yet. Mm-hmm. Um still waiting on that. Uh not to get too far off of Latko did say uh, the US Women's National Team head coach said that she's not completely she's not counted out whatsoever being on the world cup team yeah, I remember that. it's really hard to make a world cup roster when you're not on a club roster so yeah <laughs> she, tbd there um other athletes i mean right now caitlin clark is like just absolutely ridiculous mm. we'll, we'll definitely get into get into that in depth later but i think she is just the best best athlete since brianna stewart i love courtney Vandersloot, brianna stewart sue bird megan rapinoe mm. like i mean there's oh, gosh there is so the many like goes on, goes on and on and a lot of it, it, clearly for both of us, it was very hard to say just one. Yeah. Just yeah one very. very. Um, but we're going to move on a little bit to NCAA women's action packed week throughout the, the women's collegiate basketball. We're going to start with Iowa and Ohio state, the big 10 championship, Iowa, 26 and six, Ohio state, 25 and seven. And this was not a game. This, this was a blowout. This is a slaughter. 105 <laughs> to 72. And of course, what we have to talk about is Caitlin Clark. Mm-hmm. 30 point, Triple double, mm. it, just nasty on the court. Thirty points, and it wasn't even just like a she barely squeaked by with like eleven and ten. It was it was thirty points, seventeen <laughs> assists, ten rebounds. She does everything, everything on the court. But God. Sam, let me. What are your thoughts
0: on this, dude? Caitlin Clark is a monster. Like we've talked about this before, but like, God, she is an absolute monster. Like. In everything that she does, she's so good. This was such a group effort here. I mean, you saw like Monica sinano like the mm-hmm. way that she showed out too. I mean, she had, uh, she only had it's like twenty six, only twenty six points and seven <laughs> rebounds. But I mean, still twenty six points, seven rebounds is ridiculous. This team all year, you know, we've been talking about, we've been talking about the Hawkeyes for a while, and the way that they showed out in this championship proves that they are the team that we've been speaking of all year. And you know, we talked about can Caitlin Clark, you know, carry this team to to a championship and we said, I don't know, but you know what? They <laughs> we, did we cheated. were known Iowa questioners. We, <laughs> were, we <laughs> were we were we were in fact known Iowa questioners. That is so true. But you know what? They did it. By God, they did it. And it was incredible. What's what I think is my favorite fun stat from this is that um The 105 points that they scored was a was a Big Ten tournament record Mm -hmm. and the staff uh, had to adjust the scoreboard font manually
1: um, at each baseline
0: because it was a triple digit total because they had not had a, a game go to triple digits in that way. And so they it was unprecedented that and Iowa only missed eight field goals in the first half and Ohio State made nine in the first half. Listen, if I am the
2: Big Ten tournament and I see Caitlin Clark step on the court, I am making sure triple digits is a possibility. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, yeah, it's never happened before. But have you ever seen Caitlin Clark play basketball? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like a 30 point win to like in a championship game. I mean, Ohio State is 25 and 7. They have very similar records. Yeah. They're very good. And I am sure they're both. I mean, Iowa will make the tournament. I'm sure Ohio State will as well at 25 and seven. But man, I think this was a statement win above all else for Iowa and Caitlin Clark because I know like I think they started out something like 10 and four or something mm-hmm. like that, and that's when we were like I don't know Like, mm-hmm. Caitlin Clark can score 50, but they'll still lose. Well, now she's scoring 30 and getting 17 assists. So you know that'll right that that'll do it. <laughs> that will that will get you a <laughs> that win. That will do it. Um, and and her her length from or her her ability to shoot threes from the logo is something that i personally like Insane. have never never seen outside of like the nba i mean Mm-mm. i don't even really you don't even see
0: that in men's college basketball no the way that she she can shoot first of all at every point on the court but like you said those spots that are so risky that we really only see as like highlight reel buzzer beaters that's right. when we see people you, you only know, shoot
2: it when the time's running off the clock
0: yeah and you're like what do i what do i do there but she's got time she's cool it's not even like a last-ditch effort she's right. like, like no, no, no no i'm gonna do it 15
2: seconds on the shot clock and she's like this sounds good to me <laughs> yeah she's
0: like you know what i want to do she drains it, and she does and she drains into it, it's these long threes that are ridiculous and i mean you know iowa in that game only shot you know 18 three-pointers the whole game but they went nine for 18. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, Ohio State went 10 for 32. They were had such different shooting styles. But, like, you see that style and you're like, well, how many of those made threes right. for Iowa were just Caitlin Clark friggin' nailing it from half court almost, yeah. which is ridiculous. So she is an absolute behemoth of a player. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah. That's what I can say. Uh, Me too. I mean,
2: (laughs) if you're a fan of the Ram, the Fordham Ram newspaper. The Fordham Ram newspaper. (laughs) Please head over to thefordhamram.com and look at my article that I wrote about Caitlin Clark. Very, very informational, I would say. Shameless
0: self plug. Indeed,
2: indeed. (laughs) So just to to wrap it up, I mean, Caitlin Clark obviously having the... Buzzer beater, just a game. I think it was just a game before, maybe two games before. Mm-hmm. Um, heading into the the Big Ten tournament, I mean, absolutely incredible. And she's second all time at triple doubles with ten, um, which she'll probably stay there because if you look <laughs> at Sabrina Unescu, she is first with twenty six. Cool. So uh, <laughs> definitely, I think that record is staying with Unescu. I mean, I mean, <laughs> if, if unless. Caitlin Clark is, unless Caitlin Clark stays two more years, which is very likely, she has said. That she will, she might. That'd be hard to leave, and she has that COVID year of eligibility. It's hard to believe, but she's only a junior, and because she was a freshman during COVID, she has a fifth year option. So she could take it if she wants. So we could see two more years of Caitlin Clark in the NCAA. Which selfishly, I would like her to go to the WNBA,
0: but I love watching her in college basketball.
2: Yeah, but if if you look at the Iowa an Iowa arena when she's playing I, I understand why it's hard to leave they
0: love her it's electric it that, is man that place is they pack it they pack it like that is what every women's basketball it's, arena it should, should look like that's what it should look like and you see
2: not to get too far actually you know what I'll save that comment for when we get to Florida women's basketball I would love yes. I would
0: okay that sounds like a great plan I'd love yes. to have that conversation <laughs> um, all right amazing. moving on, <laughs> moving
2: on. <laughs> UConn versus Villanova UConn twenty nine and five, Villanova twenty eight and six. Another very close one two matchup. Um, UConn 60, 67 to fifty six, and Villanova really this was a, this was a huge matchup because you've got UConn, who's UConn? Like they have Az FUD, they've got Dorka Uhas, so many players, Ellie Edwards, but then you're looking at Villanova and you, Maddie Seagrass has been on fire. She's first in the country in points per game, absolute dime from behind the arc, like incredible shot. Um, she had twenty two in this one but it was not enough. UConn wins, gets their official, I mean, they were going to make it anyway, it's UConn, but Sam, what were your what were your thoughts on this?
0: You know, I mean, okay, UConn is one of the teams that I feel we always talk about as some yeah. of the cream of the crop when it comes to women's basketball, women's collegiate basketball, mm-hmm. and Taylor Meseta, who is not here, is an <laughs> avid Husky supporter, as is Annabelle Watson, one of our other uh, all-in hosts, and you know, I mean, yeah, they, they end up pulling it out in the end, but we were also UConn doubters a lot this year. Yeah. I mean, we Injuries on injuries. Injuries on injuries. That's the thing is they suffered so many injuries. You know, you had Azalee Fudd out for a lot of the year, which was so detrimental to them. I remember, you know, Taylor sending us a picture of her literally crying because she was so, <laughs> which was a little overdramatic in my opinion. <laughs> but, you know, like that's how passionate people are mm-hmm. about like these women and about like this team. But they battled back and they made it. And like, it was not a pretty year for them. You know, there were, it was really not (laughs) a pretty year. I think
2: think they had three losses in a row for the first time in like over 20 years. Oh, yeah.
0: It was, I think it was like 22 years or something Mm -hmm. like that. And they hadn't had that all season. You know, you have a coach who's making comments about (laughs) his team, calling them. Whatever he's calling them. was If you ever want drama, just throw a mic in front of Gino Ariyama's face after a loss. Yeah, right. I was like, that's how you get it. Like, Gino Ariyama said, all right, here. Like, you have a coach telling them that they're lazy and they're not passing well and they're being selfish. And then what a better way to bounce back and be like, you thought, ha, ha, ha. Right. Middle finger. That I'm not (laughs) going to do. But middle finger. We are champions. And, you know, they proved it. And it couldn't come at a better time because
2: they're getting AZ Fudd back. Like you said, she had a a knee injury. She First game back uh, in the championship, great time for her to to make her return. 11 Mm -hmm. points, an assist, a rebound, providing really value. You can't expect her to go off for 30 in her first game back. She hasn't played in a very long time, providing very, very valuable minutes. And something I found really interesting is that UConn only went 70th in the game. Like They had their starting five and only subbed two people off the bench. But clearly it worked because all seven people played pretty well. Four players... Had over ten points. Edwards, Fudds, UHAD, and and Lopez Sinisha, um, but this is another one of those matchups where it's like, it really is just UConn bolstering their, their case to getting a higher seed. I mean, both of these teams are going to make the tournament, mm-hmm. and. I'd love to see a rematch of this when, when it
0: comes March Madness time. That would be so fun. I mean, to have this championship game happen, you know, what a mm-hmm. storybook that would be for Villanova too. If right. they happen to come back in that way and we do see a rematch of this March Madness time, like what a what a storybook, you know, tale that would be for them right. to lose in your own championship of your conference and then find a way and win in the rematch. But also what a chance for UConn to double down and say, no, we're the champs. We're here for a reason I mean, that's what's so fun, I think, about the style of play with um, college basketball and with March Madness is you know, you can have those rematches, you can get people who get, you know, those at large bids, who can get those buys and find their way into the tournament again against the same teams that they maybe played just prior. So yeah, I yeah, I love it. It's
2: March Madness is, is gearing up to be one of the better ones we've seen in quite some time. There's a lot of big names out there, one of the better draft classes um in coming out this year and and you know i'm very very excited to watch i'm more excited to watch this in the the men's honestly like <laughs> just because of the storylines that you see in women's right now is, is so so good but we are going to transition and as lou orlando is walking into the studio we're going to transition to some atlantic 10 talk we're going to we're going to oh save God. fordham for last but of course we have to talk about the atlantic 10 championship UMass, who I feel like everyone thinks is is the best team heading into this tournament, rightfully so. They have really great. They have, you know, all five players can can be a leader, and that's something you know you kind of saw with Fordham a little bit, but with UMass they really found a way to close out games a lot. Best came in as a one seed, but got upset by St. Louis, Mm -hmm. 91 to 85, and even getting to in that game went into overtime, and even getting into overtime it, it had to be saved by Sydney Taylor of UMass scoring a game tying three. Um, and we'll start with you, Lou, as you're, as you're just getting settled in here, you you see this game, you see UMass losing, you know, what were your takeaways?
1: I mean, I think it's kind of shock. You're kind of in awe of what St. Louis is able to do. They came into this year 12th in the preseason poll. There are 15 teams in the A-10. So they were supposed to be a bottom feeder and you look at the path that you had to, because I was looking at it myself right from the foreign perspective of what's our path to get to the A10 championship, and it's flipped because St. Louis is the three seed on the other side, but mm-hmm. had to beat a really good St. Joe's team that came onto the scene really nice and young, and they had to beat Rhode Island and UMass, and those were the two top dogs of the A10 that were battling out for that top seed. You get by Rhodey by three points, and then you beat UMass in overtime, and I keep saying, you touch on it. UMass was the most talented team in the league this year. The run that St. Louis is able to go on, man, they really didn't get talked about that way really the entire year but you look at what they were able to do Julia Martinez puts up a triple double in the championship game she's a beast Brooke Flowers is 6 foot 5 and just an absolute rim protector and Kyle McMakin has been an absolute bucket this year so I don't think they ever got like talked about as one of the top teams but man they're good
0: yeah Sam I agree I mean that's the thing is we've We've watched UMass play from the Fordham perspective, and it was always like, oh, that's a little scary, <laughs> you know, especially as all avid lovers of the Fordham women's basketball team. It was always a little scary being like, wow, are we going to have to, you know, end up facing UMass right. in some capacity in the tournament that we really don't want to be facing them in? You're like, like, how is it going to end up? Or where are we going to be? But, I mean, it is, it is a little shocking that St. Louis is able to come back from where they were ranked preseason and from the season they've had, but it's... So exciting that you know that's how it ended up and like you're never safe. So yeah. I was, like you are you are never safe, especially in college sports. And you know, like you said, with Julia Martinez having a triple double, uh, Kyla McMacken scoring 25 points in St. Louis. That was their first NCAA tournament berth with like ever. And also that was the highest scoring A10 championship final since 1995. Wow, a lot of high scoring championships this year. A lot of high scoring finals this year, and like. That just shows the style of play and how that's changing within these leagues. But it's, oh, it's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun to watch.
2: And when you look at it through, like, Fordham's lens, I feel like when you went into this Atlantic 10 tournament, it was always, like, it was always viewed, like, all right, so when are we going to have to play UMass? It was never, mm-hmm. like, and unfortunately we never got to that point. But the way that teams around the A-10 viewed UMass, I think they should have been viewing St. Louis a little bit more like that. Because UMass has a full team. They've got... Obviously, Sam Breen, Sidney Taylor, Gal Calundi. I mean, just the list goes on. But St. Louis, like you touched on it, Lou, like they have a good player at every position that you need. They've got their shooter and their score in McMakin. They've got the defensive co-defensive player of the year in, in Brooke Flowers. And then Julia Martinez kind of doing it everywhere, getting a triple-double. So it it'll be really interesting to see how St. Louis goes from here. Like you said, first NCAA bid ever. I'm I'm really excited as uh as a follower of a10 women's basketball to see how they perform against better teams because, you know, if if Brooke Flowers, who's just ridiculously tall, I think she's like six five something she's around, 6'5", yeah. yeah. If if you can get her going defensively, if Mick Macon's making her shots, no no pun intended there, but um, this team can make some
1: noise. I think Flowers is the game changer. She's the I think she leads the D1 in, in, in blocks. Wow. So, she, like, when you have her there, I think that really changes the way you're going to be able to play. And then having Martinez, those are the two keys for me. Like, I am a little bit worried about their scoring and just where they're going to get points from. Like, when you go up against teams at better defense, I think there's ways you can shut down Martinez and Flowers. So even if it, Macon has a good game, you can get around that. But I think defensively what they bring to the table is probably their best asset going into a- yeah. NCAAs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. I was was, was distracted for a second there. I was looking (laughs) at stats here on like the A-10 women's basketball site. And what's so fascinating is, you know, for a lot of them, you're not seeing St. Louis within the top one or two of many of these stats, you know, which is great when you look at like turnover margin and things like that. But, you know, when you're looking at scoring, offensive scoring, St. Louis is, well, they're third there. But you look at defensive, they're 14th. Yeah, like, yeah. like ah, I see. So it's it's so fascinating. Out of 15 seeing, teams, right? Out of 15 yeah. teams, yes, to see where these teams have ended up. Same with uh, team three-point field goal percentage. St. Louis is 13th. So, I mean, when you look at, like, the way that they have to play, and that just shows all the more the teamwork and the style of play that went into winning here and upsetting UMass. Yeah, and UMass, of course,
2: um, they it was just announced actually right before we taped that they're an automatic qualifier for the NIT tournament, meaning – their NCAA hopes are gone, which is, you know, not to be not to be biased, but I feel like Sam Breen's last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're losing a few players. It would have been really magical to see them get that NCAA at-large bid, and it would have been a good look for the Atlantic Ten as a whole. I think for for the bracket makers to view the A10 as good enough to have an at-large bid, but have to wait potentially till next year. But Looking at uh, the NIT coming up, UMass is heading into this tournament probably the favorites, right, Lou?
1: Yeah, it's the one thing for me is is Sydney Taylor playing. She, obviously, right. she played through the championship with that fractured face. That's,
2: we didn't even talk about that. She had, oh, yeah. like she literally fractured a bone in her eye, and she just played through it. She, she played My through man.
1: really the the entire tournament with that fracture, and mm-hmm. you know. It's curious, you'd like to think they take the NIT seriously, but it's also is she gonna is she gonna sit it out? I think you know, they realize what was at stake with the A10 tournament where if you win that championship you're in NCAs mm-hmm. and then she probably plays through it. Even without her, I can they're really stacked. I think they're looks like they're gonna be one of the top seeds in the NIT and really we know no one really wants to go against them, but <laughs> right. Taylor's the X factor where if she is out, I think they become a little bit more mm-hmm. beatable. And even though like we saw, they are beatable. Fordham yeah. played them close both yeah. times, and St. Louis is able to knock them off. Like this is a team that can be beat. I'm curious to see what other teams get into the NIT, then we see how the bracket shapes up.
2: Exactly, and something that's very fun, I think, about those both NIT, both the NIT and the NCAA tournament, is you see matchups you would never see before. Mm. So, I'm really excited to to see that. But moving over to Fordham women's basketball, unfortunately, season. Uh, regular slash a 10 season ended to be determined if they make the NIT, but their season ended against Richmond this past week. Um, really, really tough for, for the graduating seniors. Cause if you're looking at the five people who start on the court, it is, is very likely. We're not going to see any of them on the team next year. Definitely not uh, Dingle, Depa, Downey, and Jonathan, who are all grad students. Um, and then, we DeWolf and and Carpell are both seniors, so it's up to them if they take that, that fifth option and if they take that at Fordham. So a lot of a lot of things up in the air there. But looking back on the season and Lou, we can start with you on this. Like what before we really get into specific aspects of the season, you know, what were your takeaways of the season as a whole? Because there is I could confidently say there is not a person on this planet who knows this team
1: better than you do. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean Man, this year was so fun. To watch this team the entire year, the way that they played, they completely changed their playing style. And obviously the year, it, it doesn't end up like this, but like the entire time you're kind of feeling like this team has the talent mm-hmm. to win it all, and that's why that, that quarterfinals loss hurt so much. I think this team just got hurt a little bit by inconsistency down the stretch, but the speed at which they played the game was so fun to watch. And you saw highlight real plays on a daily basis. Asia Dingle I think is Incredible. Truly the most electric player I've ever gotten to witness firsthand play basketball. And even in that in that loss, she puts up twenty five points and the the goal in the fourth quarter is kind of was like give it to Asia and let her make something out of nothing and she'll drive through four players and somehow not just get the ball over it, over them, but get it in. And then to also watch Anna DeWolf, Sarah Carpell, Caitlin Downey. The thing about this team is like it it, it kinda of sinks, I don't know how many people know this, like this really might be one of the most talented former women's basketball teams we've ever had. And you're talking about all-time greats where Anna's now third all-time in scoring. Caitlin Downey is an all-time great, has the record for most games started. And then Asia Dingle, in two years, has the career, is 10th on the career steals list. She's um, insane. So you had so much talent in this team, so many all-time greats where it was, sometimes you just sit back and say, I'm watching history. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. It felt like that this year, which is why it was so tragic that, you know, their season ended how it did with that quarterfinals loss. And I mean, we were all actively, you two were obviously there and I was at home, but we were texting and chatting with our friends and everyone was like, this is sad. Like this is genuinely sad because this team played with such like a fervor this year, especially, and here's where I'm going to rant, especially (laughs) when they didn't have the crowd supporting them that they should have. Yes. Because we were at many of those games, both as fans or working it. Those stands were not not as full as they should have been by a damn mile. Mm. And, like, I love the men's games. No sh- no no shade, no pink lemonade. I love the men's games. I love going. I love working those. They are full an hour before tip-off. These women's games were not, and for no good reason, because these women are so talented and worked so hard and did so much great work and had so many amazing coaches this year and played like freaking rock stars. Like you said, like, I genuinely feel like I have watched – some of the greats of Fordham now play in my time here this year. And like with Anna DeWolf, with Asia Dingle, with all of like, that's ridiculous watching them the way they've played like that. My, one of my favorite memories of my senior year is going to be that Anna DeWolf buzzer beater three that is going to live in my brain. So I, I will get off my soapbox because, you know, I can only say it so much and that's not necessarily the point of this podcast, but like, Damn, these women deserved so much better than what they got. So that's how I feel. I've Just, got something to say. Yeah. If, yeah. if, if you want to go first, yeah. Sorry, Joy, if that's too really. harsh. I to was say, like, I'm like, going to
2: scoot Sam's soapbox over here and I'm going to stand on it. Great, uh, yeah. do it. <laughs> because the men deserve the support they're getting. Absolutely. They do, but the women do too. Mm-hmm. And I think if people followed this team, there's so many storylines there. Like everyone's a senior, everyone's a grad student the the leadership we saw on the court the the adversity they've had to fight going into the season I feel like if people just knew about it they would go but I I mean I don't want to get too far into it but I think there's there's an issue with how much visibility is seen of this team versus the men's team mm-hmm. and it's just it's sad because the games are so fun to watch I've called a couple of them doing demos and some of the best experiences of my life I mean I was, I was doing a demo for Anna's game winner and that was like truly Brian Raybacks and I, uh, were calling the game and we looked at each other and we were like, that was one of the coolest moments of our life. Like yeah. being able to call that. And, and I know you both were, were in the fan, were in the fan section of that, um, really, really carrying the, the electricity over there. And I really appreciate, first of all, I appreciate you guys being so into it because it's so fun to watch and I wish more people knew about it. Mm-hmm.
1: Give me the soapbox. All, All right, right, passing so, it over. Listen, right, you've both touched on it. I think the thing that stings is, right, you see the crowds that the men's team gets, and you go, that shouldn't be exclusive. Like, it's awesome that for a men's basketball is as good as it's been, that that's kind of recaptured the the fans and gained the student section back totally. into it. You just kind of hoped throughout the course of the season that that would carry over, and it never really did. And something that stood out when you guys interviewed Ryan Rucco, he talked about, I, I forget who he was talking to, but talking about... Going to WNBA games and how it shouldn't be... It's not charity. It's exactly. not... You shouldn't be... Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm an ally because I'm going to go watch women's basketball. You should do it because it's fun. And that that's what these games were. They were fun. This is one of the most exciting teams in the A-10. We had the top two scorers in the A-10. You're just listing off all these things, all-time greats. And it's like, did people really know about it? Not mm-hmm. really. And that's what's so frustrating. And you go to these games and it's like, well... The stands are kind of there, but the student section's empty, and it's like, yeah. guys, it shouldn't take free Chick Fil A to get to get people into the building to watch this team, right? That's you, you looked at the, the course of that year, and you just felt like you never, you never got the visibility. You were never talked about the way that this team should have been.
2: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And we're gonna we're gonna transition a little bit more into where this team goes from here because I really want to talk about that because there's a lot of question marks. There, there's so many question marks. We're gonna start with the roster itself, and then we'll move on from there. But Starting with the roster, I mean, we're looking at likely losing all of the following. I'm just gonna I'm gonna list them off. So Caitlin Downey, Meg Johnson, Jada Depa, Asia Dingle, Anna DeWolf, Sarah Carpel, uh, Chloe Chaffin, Kate Deutsch. Um, hope I'm not missing anyone. I think I think, I think that mm, that about covers it. it. Right. Uh, that was all from memory. I should have written that down. But um, people who are left. I mean, you've got people like Colleen McQuillan, Rose Nelson, Ashley O'Connor, Lexi Teruel, Matilda Flood, uh, Mandy Nyborg. And after that, there. I think I was talking to Brett Tulip, FUV slash uh, women's basketball manager. I think there's only eight people on roster that aren't that are going to be here next year. And then you look at the, the ever growing transfer portal mm-hmm. um, that is becoming more and more enticing for athletes. It's it's hard to believe that all even eight of those will be here next year. My first question, Sam, we can start with you is, is where does this team go from here from the perspective of a roster?
0: Huh. Um, it's a it's a loaded question. Yeah, I think that's very difficult because I think at this point, obviously, you know, we we may be losing Anna DeWolf and Sarah Carpel if they don't take those uh, mm-hmm. extra years, which would be, I think, detrimental to this team, not only in terms of scoring, but also, you know, those are two it's the feel, identity. It's it's the identity. Those are two pinnacle players, especially Anna DeWolf. You know, she. She's a very pinnacle, very key player to the identity of Fordham women's basketball, at least as I've known it in my Mm -hmm. time um, at Fordham University. Like, if there was one thing that I knew when I was a freshman theater major at Fordham Lincoln Center, if there was was one thing I knew, or not a freshman because she wasn't here, but, you know, a a sophomore Mm -hmm. theater major at Fordham Lincoln Center, it was, I knew Anna DeWolf existed. That's it. Couldn't tell you a thing about her, but I was like, (laughs) I know she exists. So like, she's such a pinnacle part of the identity. I think that what's going to be key for this team is retaining that eight to have some sort of core to then build upon because you know you can't control it and like of course I want people to do what's best for them like wish everyone the best but I think what's going to be really hard is having to start fully from scratch especially if they end up with a new coach next year because right now we have an interim head coach that's going to be really hard I think that what's going to happen is you're going to have to keep those eight as best you can or see what you can do with that to then build upon it expand outwards and see what you can find from the transfer portal but the transfer portal can be a magical place. It can be. That's it goes both is, ways. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. You get people like Jada and Asia from the exactly. transfer portal to only be here for two years and to make a permanent mark in the Fordham women's basketball history books. So you never know who the next person is they're going to find. But also, you've still got Tilly Flood. You know, you've still got Colleen McQuillan. You've still got these people who, when given the chance, have stepped up to the plate in games and have contributed Incredibly, And, mm-hmm. you know, now they'll really have the chance to grow if they're starters.
1: Yeah, I think it's—you have to accept the fact that this team's going to look different next year. You have to find a new identity, and it's you have a few pieces that you've seen play that you know are pretty good. I, Matilda Flo was amazing this year. Yes. And I think that, as a starter, she'll be even better. Colleen McQuillen is an amazing scorer, so you have pieces. But I think the prospect of seeing your youth actually had a chance to play— that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like Ashley O'Connor looked really good this yeah. year. I kinda wanna see what Faith Pappas has in her bag too. Yeah, Rose Nelson totally. got a chance to start and play a lot after Meg Johnson went down. Rose looks incredible. And, Rose, you know, Rose looked great. She Rose has, took she, huge strides. She
2: has flashes of incre- like I know specifically in the St. Louis game, she she had this like Euro step. And I it, I it was one of the, the ones that I traveled to and she had like a Euro step straight to the basket and I was like she's incredible. like she's gonna be great and she's That's, what she's a freshman right yeah but,
1: she's
0: still got three years to develop
1: like where we're talking about where you know Candace Green becoming head, head coach is a blessing also kind of hurts them in the fact that they haven't been able to recruit because she's mm-hmm. an interim head coach right. so like that does kind of hurt them for next year but you have they established these freshman classes you had such a big freshman class coming into this year and it was also well we've all these returning players they're probably not gonna see a ton of time so you have all these players that you have recruited that are now really going to get the chance mm-hmm. to step in and fill roles. And I think you look across the league at what some of the freshmen are doing. Nia Robertson from GW mm-hmm. was fantastic this year. St. Joe's is a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, and they were didn't end up being a top-four seed, but for most of the year, they were a top-four team. So I think it's exciting to let the youth play and develop. That's something that, because of the COVID year and Fordham really getting good players like DeWolf and Dingle— like you haven't been able to have the chance to foster some of that youth, and that will be something that we we'll probably see next year.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I was going to say something along those lines of, like, um, uh, the fact that, you know, you have you have your starters. Like, there's undoubtedly you have your leaders, and you have a lot of them. You have a lot of seniors, you know, have a, grad, a lot of grad students, and it, it's, it's a double-edged sword in a way of you're really happy you have these players who have experience, but you don't have the room to develop the youth. And when all of those players leave – you're just throw it. I mean, there's going to be people starting next season. I think that like, haven't played more than like 30 minutes, like accumulatively all season. And that's, <laughs> that's a huge step up going from, you know, maybe get in for two minutes when it's a 30 point lead versus, all right, I'm going on the court to start the tip off. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a big jump. And I'm really first interested to see who's on this team next year. <laughs> and then also how they handle that adjustment.
0: But I'm excited for it. I mean, yeah. that'll be fun. Cause like you've, both said like that gives the opportunity you know for those people to prove they are I don't even want to say the next insert name here because mm-hmm. they are each their own incredible individual athletes who are here at a d1 school for a reason and this is they've already proved it right but this is the chance for them to like have that playing time and not have to you know only get those minutes when you know they're winning by 30 but to right. be like I'm gonna be on the court for the whole game and I'm gonna show you what I'm made of Exactly. And I'm, I'm excited
2: to see, like, we've seen Colleen McQuillan hit, like, mm-hmm. I mean, she's dead eye from three. She is Dude, yeah. absolutely incredible. And we saw, me and Lou actually talked about it during the game while, like, in breaks of when we were broadcasting, like, she is, she has defensive awareness to her. Like, she is good on the defensive end, and I think Fordman's going to need that next season. But we're going to, we're going to transfer, trans- transition a little bit into a subject that I know we all have pretty passionate uh feelings on and that is the the direction for coaching next year because as as we know uh coach green is currently an interim it's up in the air what happens next season and and unfortunately with that you know if you get a new coach you know it also kind of determines what happens with the assistant coaches and and i mean the whole staff the staff as a whole so i mean i definitely have thoughts on this but i definitely want to open it up to you guys sam you can go first like just your overall thoughts on, you know, what you think would be most beneficial and where Fordham should go from here when it comes to the coaching situation.
0: My thoughts on the coaching situation are keep Coach Green. Yes. Um, those are my thoughts on the coaching situation because you look at that coaching staff and you watch them on the sidelines and you can tell how much they love Fordham specifically. They love this team. They love being a Ram. They love being here. And they have made such a shift in in this school and in the culture as well. And, you know, you can feel it as a fan, as someone who has gone to the games, seeing how involved they are. And it's it's beautiful. And, like, also when we were talking to players, you know, we spoke to Caitlin and Meg and Asia and Jada and all of them. All about, the leaders. All the leaders. We spoke to all of them about how they felt about the coaches. And they were like, Coach Green has such a beautiful ability to balance being our friend and being a good person and being a great coach, which she is. And I think that there's been so much pulled out of these players this year that we haven't seen in years past. You know, we've seen these players reach these new heights that maybe weren't going to be possible and maybe they totally were, but being pulled out and being showcased, which has been so exciting. And I think that it's going to be paramount to keep coach green, especially because you're going to have such a new looking roster I think to start with a pretty much new roster and an entirely new coaching staff is going to be an incredibly, incredibly difficult transition for those players that are staying. And I think that you need, as a program, some sort of through line to carry you from season to season. And, like, I know, you know, we didn't win, but look, it doesn't seem that broken to me. We didn't so win I don't last really know. Yeah, we didn't win Amy. last year either. So it doesn't seem that broken to me. It doesn't seem like it needs that much fixing.
1: Yeah, there are two main categories that you can go into when we're talking about Coach Green as to why we should keep her. And first, we'll talk about just the basketball aspect. And you know, no secret, I love Coach <laughs> head coach Candace Green, right? But I think it'd be a really easy excuse to be like, well, she had all those returning players. What did she really do? If you watch the game, you know that the system changed completely. Mm-hmm. Have to talk about, right, Steph Gately, the all-time... Great coach in women's basketball history, all-time wins leader, one 2 A 10 championships. Her style was very defensive-oriented, very slow offense. Fordham did the exact opposite. They ran fast this year, averaged the third most points in program history. And you look at a lot of things she preaches as a coach, confidence. The way that she changed certain players. Sarah Carpell went from essentially just a facilitator and someone that averaged literally one point a game to giving you almost five points a game. And her offense completely changed and showed She had games where she went out there and she got you 18 points. And even like games where she wasn't doing double digits, like she hits a huge shot in Rhode Island in overtime to cut the lead to one. And like the aggressiveness to drive into the paint, that was not something you saw last year or in years past. So Carpell completely changed. Colleen McKillen, who we've talked about, she was fantastic this year. She's a great shooter, but she didn't really get the time last year. And She doubled her minutes per game this year and was fantastic. She played great defense, and her offensive confidence once again changed. I want to talk about Matilda Flood. She's been a great defender. Her offensive game changed. Down the stretch, she was one of our best scorers. Mm -hmm. Rose Nelson, the way she changed just throughout the course of the season, she took such great strides And some of the defense that she played down the stretch coming in for Meg. She was fantastic. And even the way that Asia and Anna played together, like that was probably one of the complaints you could make last year is that maybe Asia and Anna didn't gel. They gelled this year. They were the yep. top two scorers in the A-10. So I think you look at what she was able to get out of all these players to take steps, like, that's huge. The biggest thing for me is who she is as a person. One of the reasons we're talking about this, Miranda Nyborg put out a tweet, kind of like representing all of four women's basketball, saying that all the returning players want Candace to stay. And a lot of the players retweeted quote tweeted, I said I'd run through a wall for <laughs> Candace, but like, who <laughs> she is as a person is, I think, the most special thing about her and preaching family and just the you see the way that she connects with these players it's different man i think when you find a connection like this it's so special you're you're foolish to let it go
2: Mm. i couldn't i mean i echo everything you guys said and looking at it from you know again starting out with a basketball standpoint i mean the last season they were 18 and 11 this year we were 18 and 12 won the same amount of games and the standard you usually hold head coaches taking over a team for the first time she is never and should never be to the standard of the preceding coach, and the fact that Coach Green was able to not only uphold the what we've seen on the court, she was able to make it her own and still stay just as good. Like like you said, I mean their offense wasn't wasn't the the key point last season, but it was this season, and they still won eighteen games, just as many as they did last season. And then you look at the players love her. Mm-hmm. They are like they're so bought into this program. And if and you think like if they go a different way, that eight people could dwindle even more. And that's not a problem. I, do, I don't think anyone wants to see even. I mean, when you look at it from a point of like, in my opinion, I think the team would benefit regardless of keeping coach green, because as you said before, next season is going to be such a huge transitionary period for all the players who are staying I mean, I don't know the last time I've seen a team lose that this many players in one in one graduating class. So having one constant to guide and especially that one constant being the leader Mm -hmm. is so important. And I know there's things like interim head coaches can't really recruit. Whatever, make her make her the head coach. Like, I it's sim- <laughs> make, seems there's pretty simple to me. Yeah, there's a the solution. Make her the head coach. The team likes her. They're performing well. Sure, they they got knocked out in their first game this season. They did the same thing last season. You know, yeah. it's. I just don't see how this team and and really m- most any category got worse. And yeah. I think for a first year head coach,
0: that's incredible. I I agree. We talked all year about how good this team was and is, and they are. And we talked about it last year, too, because both of these teams were quite good. Different Mm -hmm. leadership, different styles of play. But like you said, if we were having that conversation both years, it means that nothing changed so dramatically to the point where we were like, ooh, that's wow. Well, that went downhill. No, it didn't. It literally statistically stayed pretty much the same in terms of score. But then you look at individual stats, 10 times better than last year. So much different. Different style of play. So much more exciting to watch, you know, this really offensive game. And... I don't know. Also, you know, when you look to the future, if you if you want to then get these top recruits and all that stuff, what's going to help is having players be able to talk to those potential recruits and say, you know what? We have a head coach that we love and trust and care for. And I've known her. I've been with her for two years now. I'm a huge fan of her. You will not regret coming to play with her. And I think that would be huge for Fordham trying to land recruits that they want to land as well, as opposed to, you know, now when you literally can't recruit but then also starting with someone brand new who no one knows and can't vouch for. And and another thing is when you're looking at recruiting
2: to speak more about the the person side to Candace Green. She's incredible. Like she's an incredible person and I can only imagine how great that would transfer into recruiting. Like I I go on trips with women's basketball and I'm bought into the team and I'm not a player. Like just talking to her, I mean, she she's has a great basketball mind. She's a great motivator on the court. I I would be so, so sad to see her go. And, and of course, mentioning it, it's important to talk about the assistant coaches, too, because they've been there for a while, and they're, they're, they're the, the identity and their self of this Fordham team. And, and, of course, typically when you see a new head coach come in, they have people they want to bring in. So if you look at this Fordham Rams team next year and you can't name more than four people who were there on the season before, you've got a problem, especially if you could control it.
1: I just... I keep going back to Coach Green made this team her own this year, and that yeah. was not an easy thing to do. And right to lose a head coach like Steph Gatley that had won two A10 titles, not really easy to get that entire group that's been there for a while to buy back in, and they did, and they like it was clear that they did. And to see the confidence that they played with that maybe wasn't there in past seasons, to see those leaps, like you don't think that's gonna help next year when you maybe lose your top six players, you don't think it helps that you have. Someone behind Colleen McQuillan that is Colleen McQuillan's biggest fan right. in Coach Green, right? And someone that is going to want her to succeed and is going to help her take that leap. Same thing with Matilda Flood. The leaps that they took this year, not even as starters, I think is a, an absolutely a product of Coach Green and the coaching staff system of instilling these players with confidence and, and making sure that they go out there and they're giving this team the best chance to win. And I think that if you have her at the helm, you're going to see players take leaps that you didn't think was even possible.
2: Yeah, well, word. <laughs> Fordham will, will look to secure an NIT bet, bid in the coming weeks. I believe those, uh, those brackets will come out once all of the conference tournaments finish up, which I believe will be next week, March 12th, perhaps. I think that's what I saw. Um, but that is going to be it for All In. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, All In is a production of WFU Sports.